This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. We have so much to get to here on another edition. Last episode of the show, we brought in a couple of our national analysts from the 24-7 Sports Network, Chris Hummer, who if you followed our coverage of the Transfer Portal opening on Monday, uh, streaming on YouTube all day long from 24-7 Sports Headquarters, uh, Chris Hummer was prominently featured, breaking a bunch of stuff, uh, reacting to things in real time. We got a nice preview from Chris last episode, and and, and we expected uh, a major influx of players in that Transfer Portal. Monday alone, just about 600 new names into that transfer portal at the FBS level. Chris Hummer tweeted out the numbers uh, per 24-7 sports sources went from the low 400s to just over 1,000 on Monday. We are now on Tuesday afternoon as we record. Uh, Four Penn State players from the 2022 roster uh, have entered the portal. That is due to change by the time you listen to this podcast, potentially. Um, Same deal for targeting players. New offers are out there. We're back to break that down. We'll talk about some of the recruiting things going on right now. We're just a few weeks away from the early signing period getting going, by the way, uh, including a big weekend just ahead with some key visitors on campus. And we'll wrap things up here with the 13th game on Penn State's schedule. That was announced on Sunday. The Rose Bowl is the destination for the postseason. Penn State now number 11 in those college football playoff rankings, taking on number eight, Utah. And Utah uh, finishing off USC in impressive fashion and eliminating them from the playoff race, making themselves the Pac-12 champs. So we've got a really interesting matchup to start to look forward to down the road. And our trips are booked. Mark, myself, Daniel Gallen, our photographer extraordinaire, Grace Brennan, will be out in Pasadena in Southern California. It's a sacrifice we're willing to make for you in midwinter to make sure you stay updated on Penn State football. Right now, let's turn to our colleagues, Tyler Calvaruso, Daniel Gallen, and gentlemen, it is off and running uh, in terms of the offseason, although we're still in the postseason. we got a ways to go before we see this Penn State team wrap up. But we're already talking about guys leaving the program, potentially guys coming into the program. January is just around the corner. That's when you'll have freshmen here. That's when you'll have some mid-year enrollees here from the transfer portal. We'll begin with you, Tyler, because you've been really all over it with the transfer portal and our coverage over at the message boards at lines247.com. Wide receiver is certainly a priority. Uh, Daniel pointed that out in our roundtable today, actually, as his position of priority for Penn State. That's where the offers are right now. Yeah, and I think for a while there's been a desire for Penn State to just overall get more explosive at wide receiver and just add more talent to that room to give Drew Aller more to work with heading into next season. And they've been really active there. You know, it's no secret what they're trying to do at that position right now. Got offer, new offer going out to Dorian. What's his name? Dorian Singer. 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 Yes. <laughs> Dorian Singer out of the Pac-12. Big year and out of Arizona. 66 catches over a thousand yards. He had an interesting path to a scholarship in Arizona. He was a preferred walk-on there to start. And really, he balled out for Jed Fish's program. And now he's going to be a hot name in the portal. Dante Cephas out of Kent State. Pittsburgh native. Played his high school ball at Penn's Hill. Dynamic. I mean, his 2021 campaign, he caught over 80 passes for 1,000 yards, almost double-digit touchdowns. You know, This season, he dealt with some injuries. But still, he was still the definition of a playmaker. Got Jimmy Horn Jr. out of USF. We've talked a lot about him. Smaller receiver, 5'9", 174. But, man, is he dynamic with the ball in his hands, could do a lot of different things. And we could just go on and on with wide receiver targets and just the work that the staff is putting in in the portal right now. Wide receiver, definitely a priority, and it's going to be a priority throughout this offseason. 
Horn, by the way, picked up a Penn State offer last week. He was able to be out there on the market a little bit earlier because South Florida fired their head coach. That triggers a clause where players can get in there right after that firing uh, and get their name out there. So Horn got the offer. Uh, Cephas, Singer, they picked up an offer here early in the week. And, and what's so cool really about all three of these guys, but let's focus on the two recent, most recent ones, uh, Cephas, the in-state product. Kent State was where he landed. I stumbled upon a picture of him outside of Beaver Stadium. He had the lanyard on. He was a guest of the Nittany Lions. But let's face it, they, they probably didn't give him the full court press in Beaver Stadium that day on the sideline to stay home. And, and he's a guy who didn't end up with that Nittany Lions offer. Here he is, you know, 24, 36 hours after putting his name in. He's being treated like a high-level, four-star, top 24-7 level recruit. You go, same deal for this young man out of Arizona and Dorian Singer, who was the Pac-12's leading receiver. All of a sudden, he's got every single Power 5 heavyweight knocking down his door. And, Daniel, this is the beautiful aspect. I mean, it's a double-edged sword. There's no doubt about it with, with the transfer portal. But we see it happen every year where you know, an Arnold Levicade emerges, a guy who didn't get all that love coming out of high school for one reason or the other, puts in the work at a lower level compared to where we are talking about now, uh, and all of a sudden a coveted commodity and very little time to make a decision. That's what's different about doing it as a recruit versus doing it as a transfer. It's a great opportunity for a lot of these players and in the, the so-called mid-major, the, the group of five conferences where they can really boost their stock, have the chance to, to make that leap. I mean, not everybody who comes out of high school at 18 is is ready to play right away in the Big Ten, in the Pac-12, in the SEC. Um, sometimes it takes guys, uh, you know, a couple of years, maybe when they're 20. That's when they're at the point. I know that the the downside of this is that it turns maybe a MAC program, a, a Conference USA program into almost a feeder uh, for some of these Power Five programs. But at the same time, you know, if you're good enough to play, uh, in in the Pac-12, in the SEC, in, in the Power Five, you know you should have that opportunity, and I think that's really what really what we're seeing for a guy like Cephas, and to a lesser extent, like a, a guy like Horn. Um, I think Singer, as Tyler kind of laid out in terms of his unique path to a scholarship in the first place, um, is a little bit of a, a different case, just in terms of the you know maybe the the diamond in the rough who yeah. now is getting that chance to to be feted like you know like a top two four seven guy. Um, like a very high profile recruit. So I think that there's been a lot of focus on the negatives of, of the portal and, and this era, and it's really easy to get caught up in that. Um, but I do think there are some really interesting positives in terms of what guys can do with this sort of almost a second chance um, at, at the recruiting process, the second chance to kind of showcase themselves to be available. Um, and I think that overall, it's just sort of a, a great leveling out um, of this because this does go both ways where you're going to see guys like Cephas, these guys that Penn State has offered from these lower levels, they're getting the chance to really take a leap up. You know, maybe guys who are at the power five level that maybe it's just not going to work out. Maybe they're not cut out for it for one way or another. They're going to get the chance to, to filter down a little bit. You know, maybe they're they'll, the ones that will end up at a Kent State in the Mac and then they'll get the chance to play a lot of football. <laughs> and I think at the end of the day, that's something to really kind of keep an eye on as you see comings and goings so that the end, end goal for a lot of these guys is play football have the chance to showcase their skills maybe that leads to something greater down the line and a primary example of, of a guy who just catches fire is a, a johnny cornelius who we heard about from brian doan on the last episode of this podcast rhode island tackle who ended up with 30 offers i think within 48 hours of going into the portal, including Penn State. Those are the kind of skyrocket situations. And then there's examples that we'll get to in just a moment where a guy's in a Power 5 locker room, on a Power 5 roster, maybe at the, in a top 10 Power 5 roster here at Penn State, and it, it's, it's not seen a fit long-term to get on the field. Um, and we'll talk about some of those exits in just a moment, but I, I wanted to begin with, with some of the buzz around potential pickups. And staying in the wide receiver spot, though, Daniel, you pointed to this one. We had our roundtable, you, myself, Mark, Tyler Calvaruso, um, and, and we each picked a position. You went first, and you said in terms of prioritizing things for the Nittany Lions, wide receiver is where you landed. Talk us through the thought process. I think the Penn State staff is in agreement, and, and it's really no surprise to see the Nittany Lions involved with so many players and potentially coming away with multiple pickups at the receiver spot this winter. 
I think Penn State is in a, a pretty similar position to where it was a year ago when they picked up Mitchell Tinsley in the portal. Obviously, they're not losing someone at the caliber of Jahan Dotson uh, like the Nittany Lions were a year ago. But you look at what Penn State has on the roster and, and what's projected to come back. And that's even before you factor in that Parker Washington has a decision to make um, and that he's someone who you know could go to the NFL theoretically. Um, and if that's the case, then you really need to double down at the position. But I think that Penn State just has a lot of question marks at wide receiver already on the roster. Um, I don't necessarily think that Keandre Lambert-Smith continued on that linear progression um, that a lot of people wanted to see from him. Um, I do think that Harrison Wallace III took a step forward, but there really wasn't that consistency um, from the wide receiver position behind Parker Washington and, and Mitchell Tinsley. Now, the Penn State offense this year, I think, was a lot uh, was a lot better built to deal with that um, as it was as opposed to in 2021, where in 2021, after Jahan Dotson, it was really slim pickings. But this year, you had a running game. Um, with Nick Singleton and Katron Allen and both Brenton Strange and Theo Johnson, I think really took step forward um, as receiving options from tight end. So I think that this year, uh, you know, the, the overall play, I think, was able to really kind of mask, um, you know, some of the question marks. But, you know, you look at it, you know, after Harrison Wallace, you know, Malik Mega didn't take that step this year. You know, Omari Evans burned his red shirt, but five catches, 55 yards, a touchdown. Uh, we didn't see Caden Saunders, Tyler Johnson, Anthony Ivey. Um, you know, Jaden Dotton is still on the roster as a scholarship player. Um, there's just kind of a, a lot that you need to see um, from Penn State and, and you know, some, some real question marks. And you look at the class and, and in terms of commits right now, I don't necessarily know that there's an impact freshman uh, who can come in. I mean, Carmelo Taylor, <laughs> I, I think that speed will play. Uh, which is kind of what we saw with, with Omari Evans this year, that speed can really help you a long way. Um, but I do think that Penn State needs to add someone who can come in and contribute right away, um, whether that's one player or two players. Um, I, I think that they, they need to restock the top of that depth chart right now uh, at wide receiver. Five members of this freshman class going to be at wide receiver come spring ball with Christian Driver going full on from that transition at cornerback. He's been still working in a defense late in the season here, but he'll be joining that group. And as you said, Omari Evans, the only of that five to burn Richard status. So a lot of young components that we have to learn about. And then there's going to be some newcomers that are going to go uh, jump them in line, cut them in line in terms of uh, bringing in a guy who's ready to make an impact. And Tyler, one thing, and, and this is how college football works, it's just uh, uh, things colliding off one another, and all of a sudden this Deion Sanders meteor has entered the Power 5 conversation, much less the FBS conversation, and already two of these wide receivers that we're breaking down here, and for all I know, Dorian Singer is hearing from Deion Sanders as well, but Jimmy Horn uh, from down there in Florida, a guy who was heavily considering Jackson State coming out of high school, he goes to USF, a uh, speedy playmaker at the wide receiver spot, uh, an all-conference kickoff returner this past season. Penn State's in his top four. So is uh, Houston, Texas A&M, and Colorado. And he's talked about very early on, knowing that Deion Sanders was heading that way, knowing that he was going to be a part of the conversation for the new Colorado staff. And then Dante Cephas, I know he has these local ties. I know he's got the history. But all of a sudden, he's got this shiny object in front of him in the form of Coach Prime. And here we are, James Franklin versus Deion Sanders. We might have two of these tangos already to deal with on the transfer portal. It's funny you mentioned Singer because, yeah, he did. He added an offer from Colorado last night. So Of course he, he did. Coach, yeah. He got Coach Prime involved there too. And, man, I'll tell you what, if, if you had Deion Sanders turning Colorado into a power player on the recruiting trail on your 2022 bingo card, man, credit to you because this is craziness right now. But with Cephas, it's interesting. I, I think it's probably the most interesting connection regarding that whole Colorado situation with Sanders being out there because it's not just Deion Sanders with Cephas. It's the fact that Kent State head coach Sean Lewis is heading over to Boulder to be Deion Sanders' offensive coordinator. So now Cephas is going to look at Colorado and say, yeah, it's a shiny object with Deion there and all of this prime opportunity. Now I got my former head coach who's calling the offense, and that's a scheme I've already thrived in. And I pretty much turned myself into a – pretty hot power five commodity playing in his offense. And now I can go to the Pac-12 and rep potentially replicate that same production. So I think that's going to appeal to him for sure. He's got all the local ties to Penn State. I think he's a pretty natural fit in Happy Valley, but it's not necessarily a clear-cut recruitment where he's going to be coming home. There's a lot at play. He's got a lot of opportunities, and Colorado was one of them. And 
Lewis is going to be in his ear, I'm sure of it. And then with Horn, you know, it's interesting with Horn. If you go back and read some of his quotes from when he was breaking down his top four with Andrew Ivins, he's talking about, you know, the relationships that he's been able to build with coaching staffs in such a short time. And then there's the Colorado bit where it's like, yeah, I didn't get to talk to Prime yet, but I, I knew what was going on there. And so that just kind of speaks to, you know, that whole – just so many guys are interested in taking their talents there. It's definitely going to be an option that is explored. And j- just before we move off wide receiver recruiting, there was one name that I forgot to mention that I 100% should have because Penn State fans are very familiar with, and that's former Oregon wideout Dante Thornton. He's in the portal, former commit. Penn State's involved there as well. Just had to get that name out there before we switch gears. Yeah, he was committed very early in the high school process, sophomore year, and, and then as things progressed and his profile elevated, uh, he, he backed off that commitment and it got to the point where when he released the top schools list toward the end of the process, Penn State's hat wasn't even on the table. That was a bit of a shocker, but uh, you never know how things circle back. We hear it from James Franklin every single time a transfer edition is brought up. It's about those relationships. What can you lean on? You didn't have to offer the guy in high school, but you had to be you know, on the radar with the coaching staff. Arnold Epicade is a great example down in Maryland. Um, and then there are guys that you pursue heavily, like a Chop Robinson that you get a second shot at. Um, and going over to cornerback across the field here, this is a spot that you should be able to sell pretty well if you're Penn State, considering what Joey Porter has accomplished, what this group collectively got done. Kalen King tying for the national lead in pass breakups. Johnny Dixon in year two from his own transfer from South Carolina playing a ton of football and thriving in a lot of spots. And, and as we said, Porter looks like a slam dunk to be the first ever first round pick at cornerback out of Penn State. We had names to go through here. We have some to go through at cornerback as well. Tyler Calvaruzzo, Kyrie Jackson out of Alabama, suspended toward the tail end of his career. That's something we have to sort through. But Tony Grimes, familiar name for anyone who follows Penn State recruiting from a few years back, a guy who reclassified, finished high school a year early, got to North Carolina a year early. Didn't materialize for him in the way we thought it might with the Tar Heels. He has hit the transfer portal. Penn State has been in contact there. They've also been in contact with Fentrell Cypress, who may be one of the hottest names when you look at the defensive transfer portal market right now. One of those guys who's leaving the Virginia program. And you pointed a cornerback, Tyler, as the priority for Penn State, in your opinion, after Daniel had wide receiver off the board. Well, I just tossed you a lot to chew on for this one. Yeah, I think Terry Smith's got to be kind of chomping at the bit to get out there and recruit these guys because, man, he's got a whole lot to sell right now with Joey Porter Jr. projected first-round pick. And we're seeing that in high school recruiting having an impact, and we're going to see it in the, with the portal players as well. Just starting with with Kyrie Jackson, he ran into a little bit of trouble in Alabama. You know, we don't really know the ins and outs of what went on there, but the fact of the matter is he was a starter in that secondary at one point in the year. And if you're good enough to start Nick Saban's secondary, you're a player. And I think – the interest that he has received since he officially hit the portal speaks to that. There's a lot of intrigue in what he brings to the table. He's an experienced player because he spent the two years at Juco. He was down at Fort Scott in Kansas. So he's got a lot of experience under his belt. He's not a younger player who's going to be walking into a situation where he needs to adjust. He's going to be able to do so on the fly, just given what he's been throughout his career. So that's a name high on the board for Penn State. Grimes, Grimes is always an interesting one. If you go back to that recruitment with him coming out of high school, he's going to go to the place where he probably make a really instant impact you know they're looking at depth chart they're looking at scheme they're they're looking at a whole bunch of factors and he's still pretty early in that process granted they're looking to get it done pretty quickly but he's going to have some things to sort through he's going to have to make some visits and the depth chart's going to be a big thing with him and then with Cyprus I mean honestly just scouring through the portal looking at some of these names in the secondary I think he's the best corner on the market right now you go back and watch some of his tape from his this past season at Virginia and man I mean he was a lockdown corner. He was one of the best in the nation. If you go look at the pro football focus grades in multiple categories, Penn State likes him a lot. You know, there's a lot of high, high level interest there. From what I've been hearing, Ohio State has an early edge. So Penn State's got to put in some work with him. But there's a lot of moving parts. And I'm sure by the time we get done with this, there might be a new cornerback offer out there. That's just the way this is going with the portal. Yeah, we're not losing moving parts uh, at this point in the process. We're just <laughs> adding to them on this Tuesday. And, and Kyrie Jackson, I mean, he just screams that. Joey Porter Jr. kind of profile. I mean, he's got a lot to live up to if he were to end up here and and potentially playing that kind of role or wherever he does end up. Uh, Because when you're a cornerback at a school like Alabama, you're going to have a lot of exceptional athletes around him. Uh, Six foot three, though, 200 pound kind of range, just has that long frame. And he's out of Dr. Henry Henry Wise High School down in Maryland. Uh, Same school uh, that we saw uh, Marcus Allen come out of, the same school that we saw A.J. Litton, uh, who spent a little time here at Penn State after an early career with Florida State. 
So there's some history with that high school program as well. And Daniel, the quarterback makes a lot of sense to me, uh, not just because of what's leaving at the top of the depth chart with Joey Porter Jr., but we have a lot of confidence in Kalen King and I think as uh, Johnny Dixon as well. I think we've seen Marquise Wilson find his footing again in the cornerback room. Assuming he comes back for a fifth year, he could be in line for a bump. And then Daquan Hardy was lost in the shuffle a little bit. And Those are the names that we know. Those are the names we've seen. Cam Miller caught on. He burned a red shirt as the fifth guy along the way. But Christian Driver, he's moving to wide receiver. Uh, Zeki Wheatley, he moved over to safety. Uh, we saw a, a transfer out of this room just earlier this week on Monday. So it makes a lot of sense. It feels like you need to add some bodies, some competition to Terry Smith's unit. I, I think when you're playing the numbers game with this unit, <clears throat> excuse me, there there is a lot of uncertainty uh, when you start to get down the depth chart because, like you said, Christian Driver switching sides of the ball, Jeffrey Davis Jr., redshirt freshman in the transfer portal, Marquise Wilson, you don't really know. Um, you know, he has to make a decision. You know, he participated in, in the pregame festivities at, at senior day. So that's something to watch, too. And so once you get below Kalen King, Johnny Dixon, Daquan Hardy, Cam Miller, it can thin out pretty quick. Now, Penn State is bringing in, um, you know, a number of defensive backs. I think that they have they have six guys that will kind of settle in between safety, cornerback um, and Sam linebacker uh, in the class of 2023. Um, but you, you would like to get some frontline talent um, to add to this group that can contribute immediately. And I do think that Penn State is a really appealing place for some of these cornerback transfers uh, to land. I think that Terry Smith can sell the development um, of what Joey Porter Jr. has done. Um, and they can also sell the development of Kalen King and Johnny Dixon. Um, those are two guys that I thought really took big strides this year. And on top of that, you can sell playing time. You know, even though there was a guy like Joey Porter Jr. in the secondary these past two years, you saw a lot of rotation um, at the cornerback position that if you come, you're going to play. And I think that Johnny Dixon also provides a template to some of these outside cornerbacks too, where if you come in and you're willing to be flexible, you're also going to see time on the field because in those, you know, six or seven defensive back packages, we saw Johnny Dixon playing on the inside, which allowed him to blitz the quarterback, do some things in run support. Um, and then in talking to Johnny Dixon and talking to Joey Porter, that was something that he kind of had to, you know, take on himself that he had to show that he was willing to learn these other spots, that he was willing to be flexible, that he was willing to move around. So I think that when you look at the Penn State cornerback room, um, I think that it can be an appealing place uh, for someone to come in and land because even though there is kind of a, you know, decently set hierarchy, I would say with King, Dixon and Hardy, uh, you know, Manny Diaz has shown that if you're good enough, he's going to figure out how to get you onto the field. I mean, Penn State was playing its top four safeties at the same time last year. Um, and Terry Smith has shown that he's going to rotate you and, and develop you. So I think that there's, you know, I think this is a really appealing landing spot for for a lot of these guys in the transfer portal. And, and if you're a cornerback, it, it makes perfect sense to, to take a look at Penn State and, and what it can do for you. My anticipation is if Penn State gets the kind of cornerback that they want, whether it's one of the names we just mentioned or someone else who pops up, that's a guy that we can probably slot up there alongside Dixon or right beneath those guys as an or starter or as the third guy. I know you mentioned Hardy. I did too, but he was really just not as active as we thought he might be along the way this year. A lot of games not getting to 20 snaps. That was the way that, that they handled themselves defensively. We know they used a lot of guys, a lot of depth pieces. But I think you go across the board. Penn State is not searching for backups right now. They're searching for guys who can come, make some starters feel uncomfortable, maybe increase that competition, or just win the job outright. Um, and if they don't win it outright, depth helps. Hunter Norzad, say hello. Um, let's move forward to the offensive line. Um, actually, before we do that, cornerback room, Tyler, we were just on the subject. What do you think about that freshman group uh, in terms of being able to come in, make an impact? Because that looks like it could potentially be a group where guys are shifting to safety, but still have some impact there coming in uh, with, with first year players. I think there's the potential for some of those guys to come in and make an instant impact. But for guys like King Mack, who, you know, has played a lot of safety at St. Thomas Aquinas down in Florida, and he's going to be, you know, projects more as a cornerback at the next level. And for Zion Tracy guy, who's kind of a late bloomer and, you know, still learning the nuances of the position because he came up as a wide receiver prospect and kind of 
burst onto the scene more as a cornerback later on. I mean, we saw plenty of him at camp. We know he's got the coverage skills and the speed, so that's not going to be an issue. But he's still coming along. You know, that's just natural progression. And then we talk about Elliott Washington. I, I like Elliott Washington a lot. I really do. I, I feel like we haven't really talked about him as much as maybe some of the other guys. I'm not really sure why, because his tape, man, it, it's, it's impressive. It, it's good stuff. And I think he has the chance to come in and compete for a job right off the bat. He's got a natural nose for the ball, it seems. You know, he's fluid. He's got a lot going for him. I think the staff's going to see that once he gets on campus. So, yeah, I do think that there are some incoming freshmen. They're going to have the chance to compete. It's what we always say. If you could play, you're going to get the chance. You're going to get the chance to win a job. That's just how James Franklin does things. It doesn't matter how inexperienced you are. He's going to put the best guys on the field. So guys like Washington, they're going to have a case for some playing time. And that's going to factor into the way they approach the portal. But they've already been pretty active there. The plan's pretty clear. They want a high-impact player. Yeah, Marquise Wilson burned redshirt as a freshman. Kalen King burned redshirt as a freshman. You know who didn't? Joey Porter Jr. He was tucked away waiting to blow up as a second-year player. So it's not always immediate, but, yeah, they've got guys who, who have the, the the right frame. And and I'm, I'm looking at Terry Smith right now and what he's been able to do with this room really consistently, and now there's just even more star power. He has been here a long time, and the trajectory just continues to point up. Guy who wears a lot of hats for this staff as well, so uh, kudos to him. I, I think that he is going to be able to go out there and, and find something special in the cornerback market. Uh, when we look at the offensive line, gentlemen, it's an area that I pointed to as a priority after you two made your picks because you just can never have enough depth. Now, you've got to convince a guy that – hey, you might not be the outright starter the moment you set foot on campus, but let's get through 15 spring practices and then reassess and we'll work our way towards August camp and you can go win a job. That's Phil Troutwine. That's what he's got to do right now. But we spoke with him a couple weeks ago as Penn State was wrapping up the regular season, Daniel, and he made it very clear that this can't be the finish line and and, and the, they can't spike the football right now as an offensive unit, uh, on the, as an offensive line unit. They have to build off what they did in 2022. And a lot of that, he said, is going to be sustaining and building on the depth they had done. Because of that depth, they were able to survive and really dominate in November. It could have gotten really tricky for them if they didn't have the right pieces in the right spots. A lot can come back, but in my opinion, particularly at tackle, where I have a couple questions, is Bryce Efner coming back? Uh, is Caden Wallace going to be around for, for, for the bowl game and actually get to participate in this game after being sidelined for the last month and a half? And where does the staff see his trajectory right now as, as a year four going on year five player? We know Olu's back. We know Drew Shelton's back. Jimmy Chris has been involved. But tackle to me, and I think to an extent across the board on the offensive front, there's every reason in the world to go feel like this should be near or at the top of your priority list. Definitely. I think that when you look at how this year turned out, it's the perfect example of you can never have too many offensive linemen um, and, and the fact that how deep that they had to go um, at the end of the year in terms of injuries and, and things along those lines. So I do think that tackle is something where – <clears throat> excuse me, you can't have too many of them. Um, and I do think that Penn State has done some things this year that that has set it up to be, um, you know, a nice landing spot or an appealing landing spot for someone in the portal who wants to come in and have the opportunity to play. I think that obviously you point to the injuries and the fact that, hey, you know, you know how football works. We're going to need you at some point this year, whether it's, you know, a half, a quarter, three games, four games, if you come in and you're a depth piece for us, there's a good chance that you're going to have to play. It's just the nature of the beast. On top of that, I think that by rotating in Hunter Norzad and Landon Tangwalt left guard early in the season, and then rotating Caden Wallace and Bryce Efner uh, through the, you know, the middle part of the season before Wallace went down, Penn State also showed that if you come in and you can play and you're doing the right things behind the scenes and you're capable, they're going to reward you, you know, with playing time on Saturdays. Um, and I think that that's something that you, know, you can sell to players uh, and that you can really you know, use to, to showcase the, the strength of the position group that, that someone is going to come in. Um, so I do think that the tackle picture is pretty interesting. Um, you, know, you do get Olu back, which I think really solidifies left tackle. But at the same time, he only played two thirds of the season this year. So that's another example of, uh, you know, when it comes to, to needing depth. Um, but I do think that the more bodies you can have there, um, even if you even if there is no attrition, even if Caden Wallace and Bryce Efner are back, even if Jimmy Christ is back, even if the rest of this class of 2020 guys are back, um, I think that Penn State showed that the more that you can add 
it just only improves your chance to have a good room and a good position group. And I think that you need to use this 2022 season as a real springboard uh, in terms of moving forward with this offensive line, with adding talent, whether that's in the high school ranks, whether that's through the transfer portal, whether that's guys on the roster breaking through, taking that leap. Um, I think that you really, really need to manufacture as much talent and depth as you can. And good way to do that is through the transfer portal right now. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You made a good point on the rotations because as far as we could tell, we're going to keep seeing a rotation at left guard, although it was predominantly Landon Tengwell's job when he was injured. And we're going to keep seeing a rotation at right tackle where it was really feeling like a 50-50 split despite the, uh, the, every Saturday it was Caden Wallace you know, taking that first snap. So you could sell. You know, look, we're willing to play seven, eight offensive linemen deep into the season. We'll do it in conference play until we feel like someone has won the job outright. If we got two guys doing a very good job, we'll keep going. And if you're the fit, we'll work with it. So that's something that you can point to. And additionally, though, inside, I don't want to make it seem like tackles thin and everywhere else you're good. Tackle could be thin, but guard, you know, you take Juice Scruggs out of this equation. He decides not to stick around for this sixth year. Go go take a shot at the NFL. Then you're moving Hunter Norris out to center probably. There's a guy out of the equation at guard. Landon Tengwall's working his way back from an injury. How will he be in the spring? Uh, Salim Wormley's back. Vega Ione has some experience. And then you've got question marks. Nick Dawkins, who hasn't been available for a while. Golden Israel Achumba, we haven't seen much of him as his career has progressed. And you've got these freshmen coming on campus next uh, you know, next month and Javen Williams and Alex Birchmeyer, Anthony Donka. But it's hard to hang your hat on true freshmen doing what Drew Shelton was able to do. So I think there's a reason in, uh, to, to go out there and find a guy. And if they bring in the guy who played tackle last year, doesn't mean he's necessarily going to play tackle for them at Penn State. You know, let's recall that Hunter Norzad was a very, uh, very accoladed tackle uh, with his last uh, team with Cornell, and he hasn't sniffed the tackle position on the field uh, on Saturdays for Penn State. That's just the way it works. So we'll find out what Phil Troutwan does. And, and and is there anything to add, Tyler, in terms of recruiting right now um, on the offensive line? Because uh, we, we know that uh, in ter- it's not just the high school prospects that Penn State is involved with. Also looking at the junior college level, uh, Keyshawn Blackstock has a lot of teams interested in him out in Kansas. Uh, where do things stand? Uh, and just to cross a name off the list, uh, Nick Olivier, uh, who, who had mentioned Penn State as a dream school a long time ago, committed to Cincinnati, wasn't really on Penn State's radar as he resurfaced here. Um, some communication, but he's going to go to Rutgers. Yeah, so just starting with you know the transfer in the JUCO rank, Johnny Cornelius from Rhode Island, he has that offer from Penn State. I mean, at this point, he's pretty much gotten an offer from everywhere. Of all the names in the portal, he's probably the hottest guy. I mean, he's, he's received about like – he's probably pushing 30. 30 offers since he hit the portal. He's the most wanted guy right now. And, you know, that just speaks to what Penn State is trying to accomplish. You, we can never have enough, have enough warm bodies on the line. And guys like Cornelius, they just elevate the ceiling of your room. And Keyshawn Blackstock is another guy who could elevate the ceiling of your room. He's one of the best Juco offensive linemen out there. James Franklin and the staff were out to see him over the weekend. Things went well. He's going to be on campus for his official this weekend. Penn State really looking to seal the deal there. I think they put themselves in a pretty good spot. Credit to Coach Trout, you know, he, he's been on Blackstock early. And he went out there during Penn State's bye week, kind of just further that relationship, solidified Penn State as a top contender, and that has carried over into the winter and him, you know, taking his official visit. So Penn State, pretty good spot there. And then just w- with the high school ranks, you know, still kicking the tires. Guys like Christopher Otto, they like him a lot. He's still on the radar. We'll see how his Florida State official visit goes at the end of this month. If he comes out of that not committed to the Seminoles and he does make it to Penn State's campus, which I do think is going to happen because he seems very intent on exploring all of his options as deeply as he can. 
think Penn State's going to have a pretty good chance there. You know, and they're still kicking the tires with Samson Oklahoma, the five-star from Massachusetts. They're, they're still hanging on there, so you got to keep an eye on him as, all, as well. Yeah, and, and I know Brian Doan volunteered yeah. for the duties, but we can always send you down uh, to uh, f- down to what is it, Key West, uh, to cover <laughs> West, uh, yeah. Christopher Otto. Yeah, if he has that commitment at ceremony, we'll get you down there live in person. And regardless of the Penn State, uh, you'll have a good time down there. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure we send that travel oh, yeah. report in uh, with your name at the top of it. Uh, we we do have a lot of recruiting to dive into in a moment, but I I, I want to circle back one thing on transfer portal: the implosion occurring down at Texas A&M, which I feel like was oh, yeah. highly anticipated. The way things went in college station this year it involves that exodus involves some names that we're familiar with you know because you've got pennsylvania guys you've got guys from across the region here andre white i saw has entered he's a former harrisburg linebacker that a lot of people thought might follow micah parsons end up in a nittany lions uniform uh, the one who has an offer now elijah judy he is out of philadelphia uh spent a couple years down there with the aggies didn't find much production he's looking for a fresh start and the nittany lions say hey we're in, we're in again. Let's talk. Yeah, they're definitely right back in the mix with him, just as they were when he was coming out of Northeast and Philly. He didn't get a lot of playing time at Texas A&M, but I don't think that detracts from the player that he is or, you know, the level of intrigue that a lot of Power 5 programs have. Dewey projects as a potential impact interior guy. 6'3", 295 now, you know, a far cry from what he was coming out of high school. He's a little bit slimmer. He's really bulked up as an interior presence. He's going to be at Nebraska for an official visit coming up. I'm interested to see how that trip plays out. You know, Matt Rule, a lot of ties in the area just throughout his college coaching career. He works Philly pretty hard. He's going to get a Philly guy out to out to Lincoln for an official. So we'll see how that one goes. But from what I've been hearing, Penn State right in the thick of things. I think there's some intrigue in returning home, you know, play a little bit closer to home, get the family out there to see him play a little bit more. And he, he, he'd be a quality depth addition to the interior, I'd say. So definitely a name we'll be keeping an eye on pretty much throughout until he makes a commitment just like we expected guys here we are first week of december penn state going on uh battles with deon sanders matt rule here we go yeah it just rolls on in college football recruiting the transfers some new faces and new places um and and then penn state all of a sudden facing some different kind of competition um speaking of competition it it seems to be over uh, with with west virginia rodney gallagher uh, neil brown getting a, a a new lease on life at least in the short term i guess with west virginia tyler calvaruzzo this is one that when brian dome was on with us last episode he said it could happen anytime. Once West Virginia makes a decision here, that'll give you a good indication of what happens with Rodney Gallagher. I know Rodney already went on to the 24-7 Sports yeah. Network's West Virginia podcast and confirmed he's sticking around. So uh, I imagine we can all move on. And maybe we're talking about Rodney Gallagher and Penn State again next December. But until we get there, we can table the conversation, it seems. Yeah, I think you pretty much just nailed it. You know, it's looking like I don't really envision a scenario where he doesn't wind up at West Virginia at this point. But it goes back to what you said about recruiting in this age, how, you know, you don't just recruit for the high school career anymore. You recruit, you know, in case the guy hits the portal later on. And we'll see if Gallagher makes it there. You know, that's a very fluid situation down at West Virginia. You got new AD. Neil Brown's got to prove himself. And, you know, we'll see what that means for West Virginia's roster next season. But for right now, I wouldn't anticipate Gallagher winding up in any line as a member of the 2023 class. Daniel laid out the case earlier about why Penn State could use some new receivers in that room. Uh, Don't necessarily need some new young receivers. They've got a a lot of developmental pieces there, but you can never – uh, you know, never stock up those kind of guys uh, with enough emphasis. You've got Carmelo Taylor coming to campus, uh, probably not until the summer, though. And he's a guy who's making that transition from a track speedster to a football player. Um, where else are we are we looking at in this 2023 20 th- recruiting class at receiver? Things are winding down here. Edwin Joseph, he's still on the board. He's going to be at Florida State for an official coming up. You know, he, he's been a guy who he's been on Penn State's radar for so long. And, you know, Mike Gersick likes him. He's liked by the staff, but he hasn't necessarily jumped off the page as a plan A guy, it seems, just based on the way that recruitment has played out. Yeah, you know, I still think they're searching for sleepers in that class. Stubbs doing a lot of evaluating, so there's a lot going on there. And there's obviously there's a desire to add to the room with young talent. We talk so much about the portal, but they want to get some high school guys in there as well. So Joseph's one to monitor. You know, Chance Fitzgerald down in Tennessee, he's a name I know that – might need to be monitored, no offer right now, but I know there's been a little bit of involvement. There's been some buzz about Jerry on Dickey, the Oregon commit. I don't think anything's going to come to fruition there, but you know, th- th- I've heard that name pop up a couple times now. 
just we're gonna have to stay monitored. It's gonna be something that probably goes into February. The pursuit's not gonna end after the December early signing period. They're they're gonna be looking at who's left at wide receiver in February after the December signing period, and we'll see what offers come to that and what interest comes to that and what visits come of that, of course. Well, Daniel, stand by because I know you're working your way past the head cold, and, and, and so we're giving you some time to recover through that. But I do want to continue with some quick hits here on the recruiting trail before we dive into some Rose Bowl conversation. And uh, another name that, that has been a hot topic of late is Daniel Harris. Tyler, he spent a significant time committed to the reigning national champions. They'll enter the college football playoff as the number one team in the Georgia Bulldogs. They remain right there. He has reopened his recruitment. It seemed when that initially happened, the Nittany Lions had momentum. Last time we talked to you, and I think last time we talked to Brian Doan, it felt like maybe a stalemate was underway. Have things progressed in any way as we're now less than three weeks shy of signing day for another cornerback who draws comparisons to Joey Porter Jr.? Yeah, he's legitimately our pro comp in the scouting report. So there's a lot of Joey Porter Jr. in him. But, you know, you mentioned stalemate. I would say last week that would probably be a pretty accurate take right now. Just based on what I've been hearing, it seems like Georgia has a little bit of the edge again. And, I mean, we talk about fluidity, and I know, I know it's cliche, but this is just another recruitment that's a prime example of how fluid recruiting is. So updates are coming in by the hour. You know, it's changing. Penn State's going to get in home with them this week, and they're going to have the chance to, you know, make a pretty strong pitch as they've been doing. They, were, they checked in on them last week at Gulliver Prep, and now the staff's going to get the chance to sit down <laughs> with Harris and the family and, you know, just – Put it all out there for them, really. It's been an interesting recruitment. There's a lot going on behind the scenes. Georgia has been fighting tooth and nail with Penn State to get him back in that class. And right now, I'd say the dogs have a slight edge. We might get done here. I might hear something different. We might have something up on the board on that. Just got to keep really close on it. I've been keeping really close tabs on it. And we'll see how that in-home visit plays out. Battling with the Georgia Bulldogs sounds better than battling with Colorado uh, for <laughs> players, but it, that's where we are in college football right now. Uh, it's hard to figure out the, the landscape. And, and Mason Robinson is a guy who, who, who has stuck with his commitment. Uh, Northwestern is a team that we got to look at here. Um, you know, they've hit some hard times. Uh, they were able to represent the, the, the conference's West Division in a couple of, of championship games out in Indianapolis. But there's always a different reason beyond football why a guy is going to commit to Northwestern. That was referenced when Mason Robinson committed to the Wildcats. And just to remind people, this is a guy from the McDonough School on the defensive line. We've seen Devon Ely's. We've seen P.J. Mustafer. We've seen Curtis Jacobs. Uh, we've seen Denied Dennis Sutton all come from that program. And it felt like this is one that was going to get away from the Nittany Lions, but not so fast, my friend. Tyler, fill us in. Yeah, they're definitely back in the picture. They're going to get them on campus this weekend for a visit. And look, you know, we talk about guys who are committed to Northwesterns and the Stanfords of the world, and they're kind of tough to get a gauge on sometimes because there is just so much more that goes into that process of committing to a school like that. And just the emphasis that is placed on academics throughout that specific prospects process. And I don't think that's lost on Mason Robinson in this situation. He committed to Northwestern for a reason, and academics were at the top of that list. So he's going to be coming to Penn State with that in mind. But there's been a lot of overturn at Northwestern after the rough season that they just had. New defensive coordinator coming in. New, there's going to be a new defensive line coach coming in. So the Northwestern that Robinson committed to is not necessarily the Northwestern that is in place right now because there's going to be some change to Pat Fitzgerald's staff, and that's something Robinson's keeping a close eye on. But Penn State is definitely generating some traction for a flip here. I mean, just getting him on camp, back on campus in itself is a victory, and the staff is going to have – a really golden opportunity with him this weekend. I like where things are heading for the Nittany Lions. Another one we'll be keeping a really close eye on just as the hours and the days and the weeks go on. A lot of coverage going on right now at Lions247.com for our VIP subscribers about the transfer portal, about the recruiting trail. And we got a great offer going on right now, by the way. I think it's like the best that we've put out there in a while. It's not just 50% off for a VIP subscription to the site for a full year. It's 50% off that, and you get Paramount Plus access immediately. A lot of times with our deals, you don't get Paramount Plus access until you're like around for a full year. You get Paramount Plus access right away. So thousands of streaming videos and shows. And oh, by the way, Big Ten sports, Penn State sports coming to CBS, coming to Paramount Plus next year in 2023. So you're already ahead of the game. You're already ready. You don't have to go figure out how to stream this game. You're ready because you have that Lions 24-7 membership and you're good to go. So I just want to make sure I put that out there because a lot of what's happening and a lot of what you're not going to hear on these podcasts 
are available for our VIP subscribers at lines247.com. Um, just our transfer th thread portal alone, guys, is I think over 700,000 views right now. Um, so a lot of things are happening over at the message board. And, and Daniel, the Rose Bowl is a great destination. Um, it's one that we didn't really think that Penn State was going to get to uh, just a couple weeks ago. We were thinking maybe going to Orlando, outside shot, at, at going to Dallas for the Cotton Bowl. Maybe Tulane would be the opponent. Not only are you getting a marquee matchup for as marquee as they get outside of the power of the college football playoff landscape, but you're also getting a very good opponent coming off an impressive victory, crushing USC in the second half of that matchup, winning the Pac-12 title, and the stage is set. Number eight Utah awaits Penn State in Pasadena on January 2nd. We'll be out there. What are your earliest thoughts as we kind of wrap our heads around this one? I mean, my my earliest thoughts is that it's this is just really exciting, uh, and I think a, a really good opportunity for Penn State, um, for you know, for lack of a better term, for the brand, um, with how everything's going. I mean, like you alluded to, it was kind of an, an interesting couple of weeks where you go from all right, like Orlando, hey, that's probably nice, you know, an SEC opponent. Like, okay, I can do New Year's in Orlando to to Dallas, where you know you're looking at a group of five team uh either Tulane or UCF uh but Jerry World you know that kind of bigger stage back in the new year six and then you end up at the Rose Bowl I mean it was kind of a, at times it was a little bit of a Rube Goldberg machine to kind of get there with, with all the machinations of what you needed to happen and how it happened I mean I think that maybe before the game Penn State needs to give Utah a fruit basket uh for knocking USC out of the playoff and, and getting Ohio State in there uh, to help get them to Pasadena. But I think it's going to be a really great opportunity. I mean, I watched that game on Friday night and I just came away really impressed with Utah. Um, obviously, the game probably looks a little bit different if Caleb Williams makes it through healthy the entire way for USC. Um, but Utah is just a very, very solid program. Um, you know, they're a team that does things their way. They try to dictate the terms of the games. They aren't quite the same bully ball team that they really were last year. Kind of like what they did to Oregon uh, in those games last year was uh, pretty wild to see. Uh, it's a little bit different this year, but, you know, James Franklin was very complimentary of what he saw out of Cam Rising, uh, the Utah quarterback, in terms of his toughness, the intangibles. Um, you know, I really liked what I saw from those defensive ends, some of those defensive backs. Obviously, we have a long way to go between now and January 2nd when it comes to opt-outs and transfer portal and, and what these two teams actually look like when they're in the Rose Bowl. Uh, but I think that this is just the opportunity to get into that exclusive time slot. Everybody's going to be watching. I think that the Rose Bowl probably ropes in uh, you know, a lot of casual fans um, that you know might not watch the Cotton Bowl or the Orange Bowl. I think the Rose Bowl, you know, it has its own mystique even in this changing landscape. So, you know, personally, I'm really excited. This is a bucket list uh, thing, you know, to, to cover, to get to see. Um, I think it's a really good opportunity for Penn State. Back in the New Year's Six, uh, for the first time since 2019, the chance to win 11 games for the first time since 2019, back in Pasadena for the first time since 2016. Um, I think when you talk about the trajectory of the program after these past two seasons, taking these steps, you know, getting back to the tier that we think that Penn State is you know I think that this kind of shows that and with a win I think that Penn State can really you know solidify that big step back and and this is a, a chance for Penn State to pick up win 11 and be four times in seven years and uh, well positioned it would seem when this 12 team playoff structure gets going in a couple weeks to be involved in some pretty special postseason matchups in the future but a really nice launch pad opportunity here uh, for James Franklin and we we always wonder you know are, are marquee bowls still relevant are guys going to stick around James Franklin by the way really seemed confident, optimistic that that they're not going to be dealing with a lot of opt-outs. He had said last year was the first time in his career that that, that was something that really came to fruition for him to deal with. And, and it was a, a big deal last year. I mean, we were down there in Tampa and we were on our way back from practice one day. And I think both days and opt-outs were happening. You know, they were obviously something the staff was aware about, but we were learning officially about these opt-outs, you know, a couple of days before kickoff, something that we have to keep bracing ourselves for. But Rose Bowl feels a little bit different. This matchup feels different. The team 
and where it's at coming out of the regular season feels way different than it was last year. So Joey Porter is the only official opt-out right now. Parker Washington is sidelined with an injury. And then Olu Fashionu is kind of a mystery right now. I asked James Franklin about that on Sunday night during his bull press conference, and uh, he said at that time that that they're going to have to still keep that monitored, monitored by their medical staff, um, didn't commit to one thing or the other. And it, it, we haven't seen Olu in practice participating at all since he exited early against Ohio State uh, on October 29th. So some things to learn there. If he's not available, Drew Shelton in line for start number five, and we'll have a bunch of bowl coverage coming your way. Um, does this matter on the recruiting trail, Tyler Calvaruzzo? I mean, I think everybody wants to get to the biggest stage possible, um, and that would mean the college football playoff and the national co- championship game right now. But these guys are sitting around. They're trying to watch as much college football as they possibly can, and it always feels like the Rose Bowl is certainly one of those that, as, Fran- as, as Daniel said, even the casual viewer knows where to find that one. It's good for the brand. You know, I, I think it definitely does help in some regard. Probably not as much as it used to because, like you said, you know, guys want to get to the playoff. And now with the expanded playoff coming, there's more of a focus on that than there is, you know, the, spe- the specificity of one specific bowl game. But at the same time, the Rose Bowl is the granddaddy of them all. You know, regardless of circumstance, it, it's going to catch the eye of a recruit that's going to see Penn State play in that game. So, yeah, it, it, it's a help. It, it definitely, you know, it's another feather in the staff's cap, I would say but it's yeah. probably not as impactful as it used to be. And that's just the nature of college football right now. That's the landscape. And just one of those things where it kind of is what it is. Well, when we were on that call with James Franklin and, and Daniel was on that as well, um, he, he told us he was uh, in an airport in the middle of yep. Kansas waiting to get on another plane and get to his next destination. And, He's working that recruiting trail hard. You know he's monitoring the transfer portal. All these coaches, oh, by the way, now have to prepare for a top-10 opponent in a matter of weeks when he take on the Pac-12 champion. So December, really earning that paycheck as a coaching staff. And just to reiterate that, we we didn't even get to it at the top of the show because I wanted to focus on some of the positives. It can be seen as a negative, but I think a lot of these departures are going to be good for the players. Four Nittany Lions from the 2022 roster uh, hitting the transfer portal here. We knew that some of these were coming. Rodney McGraw uh, let everyone know this weekend that he'd be putting his name in the transfer portal, a redshirt defensive lineman. Uh, Christian Veyer, the quarterback, redshirt freshman as well. He told everybody last week he'd be putting his name in the portal. He went ahead and did that on Monday. Uh, We have Malik McNeil resurfacing, uh, no longer with the Nittany Lions roster as of mid-November, a guy who got uh, into action on the practice field, did not see game uh, duties as a freshman out of the equation, but now he's in the portal. And then the one name that surfaced who was with this team last we saw them, uh, you know, a week and a half ago against Michigan State is Jeffrey Davis. And Daniel, you mentioned this earlier, a guy who did not see much, much work, one game involved in that very deep cornerback room. He'll look for his next stop. All these guys feel like the kind of guys who should be benefiting from the transfer portal, Daniel. They're all in their second year of college football. I think if they're all being honest with themselves and based on what we understand, if they look around their position room, they can understand where they are. And when you start to hear the clock ticking a little louder, getting ready for year number three with that eligibility, these guys are past the COVID. There's no COVID in the back pocket with these guys. So I understand all four of them. And, and I, I think Christian Veyer's next move is going to be really interesting to watch because you get why he left here. But being QB2 or at least competing to be QB2 at Penn State is a pretty good spot. Uh, I'm curious to see where he ends up, if, if it's going to be more definitive as him being a starter or in that mix to be a starter at the Power 5 level. It is really interesting when when you look at potential destinations. And <clears throat> I think that this also speaks to the kind of the, the two types of transfers that are out there that you know, there are those kind of the graduate transfers, the upperclassmen, the, the instant impact guys that you know are going to come in and be able to contribute right away. You know, kind of like, uh, you know, what Arnold Ebiketti was uh, when, when he came in, that he came in, he was ready, he was able to contribute right away. Um, and then on the other hand, you have some kind of the more developmental transfer, which I think is going to be sort of a, a newer class to kind of emerge as, as this landscape shakes out. And, you know, that was kind of more of like what Johnny Dixon was, that that's a guy that you're bringing in to bring him along and, and get him to a point where where he can contribute. Um, and I think when you look at the the players that are leaving Penn State, that they're those developmental guys that they're going to go, you know, get the chance to go to programs where they can develop and maybe they'll have a little bit more clear of a path, um, you know, to the field. You know, Christian Veyer, he might still be QB2 at another Power 5 school next year, but 
maybe he's behind a quarterback who's out of eligibility as opposed to behind Drew Aller, who is, you know, going to be there for two years. Um, you know, I think that a lot of it is about, you know, finding a different pathway to playing time, uh, you know, getting that chance to develop in a program where when you get to the end of your development, whether that's in another year or two, there's an opportunity that's right in front of you to go out and play and, and contribute. So I am very curious to see where these guys end up. Um, I mean, Veyer is the really interesting domino uh, to look at when you look at all the quarterbacks who are in in the portal right now, and including some surprising names. I mean, Spencer Sanders uh, out of Oklahoma State. I think that that was one that kind of you know caused people to raise some eyebrows. But I think it will be interesting to see where Veyer lands, you know, what kind of connections there are, uh, and you know what that pathway looks like for for him moving forward. And, and I think, you know, not everybody's going to end up at the Power 5 level or much less the FBS level. To me, it feels like Christian Veyer belongs at the Power 5 level competing for a job next season. I think that's where he'll be. Um, you know, Malik McNeil, we'll see. It wasn't the, wasn't the most robust offer list uh, coming to campus, and it didn't last long here with Penn State. And Jeffrey Davis, he'll be okay. He had, a, he had multiple Ivy League offers at the high school level. No doubt he's going to be okay moving forward with his career. You understand why he would be motivated to do that. And I just wanted to have one more note here on, on Rob. Rodney McGraw, I don't know if we ever talked about it here on the podcast. He became a father, you know, during his high school career, and it wasn't at the very end of his senior high, uh, year of high school. He became a father during his recruitment process. Ends up committing to Indiana, going to stay home, but then he's he's won over by Penn State, and he leaves his son. You know, that's a, that's a long distance trip to go uh, to leave a son, uh, and he's here on campus communicating with his son, uh, who's growing up away from him uh, for much of the year via Zoom, and, and he grew up a lot here with John Scott, with James Franklin, helping him, lending his guidance, not just as a developmental defensive lineman, but as a young father, a young man. So I just point that out to note because I think there is a part of the fan base that points to every guy leaving a high-end Power 5 program and saying, well, he's a bust or it didn't work. He didn't have what it took. There are things you can take away with you from a campus at this level that don't always involve the stat sheet or game logs. And so that's just a kind of a relevant example there. And not something I think we really addressed in the podcast, but I thought it would bring it up here as we wrap things up. Anybody have anything to add? Cause we covered so much ground here. I may have forgotten something and we'll be back with another episode Thursday. I'm not going to promise what those topics will be because hour by hour, our focus is changing at lines 247com Yeah. I, I think the one thing that I would add is that, you know, this portal window is going to be open for 45 days you know, we've got until mid-January. Um, you know, I think that there is a lot of sense that, you know, day one would be kind of like free agency in the NFL where, where all the mm -hmm. deals start coming down or like in the NBA where it starts at midnight. Um, you know, I think that we've got a, a long way to go, uh, especially when you think about that there's going to be, you know, there's going to be two teams in that national championship on, on January 9th. Um, you know, after that, there will probably be a little bit more portal movement, um, so, you know, don't burn yourself out this week. Uh, we've got, we've got a long way to go. Things will really start to settle out. Um, and then I think things will really, you know, kick into gear. Tyler, I got something for you in a second, but just playing off of what Daniel said, um, if you are a player right now with Penn State, and there's some obvious candidates, and we're not going to put it out there. You can go check the roster yourself and say, this guy may make sense to go to the portal. If you've been with these guys and they're your brothers, your teammates, your roommates, your best friends, you've been with them three or four years right now, you look at all the talent going into the portal, what's your rush? you got a 45-day window. Doesn't it make a lot of sense to do one last run of practices, go out to Pasadena, have an awesome time, get a little bit more gear to bring home to that closet, and then hit the portal? I mean, there is, to me, a lot of incentive to stick it through if you're in that kind of a situation. I know everyone wants to get a jump head start and i know the staff also wants to be proactive in these kind of conversations but i'm just going to throw it out there if you know you're leaving you might uh, might make sense for you to wait three or four more weeks enjoy this run and to be honest a lot of these guys have earned it they may not have played a lot of football but if they decide they want four more weeks with penn state football they want to go across the country have this rose bowl experience that they'll cherish for the rest of their lives that's their prerogative they don't have to sprint to the transfer portal just to say hey everybody i'm available tyler i'm putting you on the spot though running back weekend here we got yeah. some running backs. We got Nick Singleton, Katron Allen. They need some company. Do. We don't know what the future holds for Kevon Lee, who's a junior right now. London Montgomery is working his way back from an injury that cost him his entire senior season. Got some live ones to look at, though, here on Saturday. Yeah, definitely. Christopher Johnson, four-star from Florida. We've talked about a lot. He's going to be on campus. 
Staff got down to see him last week. Really another productive visit. It feels like every trip down there for the staff is a productive one with Johnson. You know, they keep making strong impressions on Johnson and the family. So Penn State's going to have a pretty good chance to get him on campus. Clemson. Clemson did a really good job with Johnson during an official at the end of November. So that's something to keep an eye on. I think the Tigers are a real player there. Ole Miss, too. Can't forget about Ole Miss in this situation. But Clemson, kind of new to the picture, but very much in play. And then we got KJ Criscano, you know, the former Michigan State commit. He's back on the market. He's going to be on campus this weekend. Top 24-7 prospect from Texas down in New Caney High. Ole Miss, again, we just talked about them. They're very involved here as well. Michigan State's still in the picture for the former commit, so that's something to watch with the Spartans. And I think Penn State's going to have to make a pretty good move with Riscano this weekend is kind of stay in the picture. I think Ole Miss and Michigan State are kind of in a league of their own right now, but Penn State's going to have the chance. He's making the trip for a reason. He wants to see what the program's all about. So, yeah, it's a heavyweight weekend for running back recruiting. And we can't forget about Cameron Wallace as, as well. You know, he was on campus for his official in November. He's still in the picture as well. He might not be there this weekend, but he's still very much on the board. So, yeah, it, it's a big weekend for the running back recruiting. They've been looking to add there for a really long time. And it feels like before long there's going to be some movement. All right, well, that's the latest here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. As of 4.30 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday, uh, December 6th, it is minute by minute. Follow along at lions247.com for the latest on the transfer portal, the recruiting world. Penn State basketball has some big tests coming up. Uh, a lot going on right now in our coverage. We're back with another episode of this podcast later. Big thanks to my colleagues, Tyler Calvaruzzo and Daniel Gallon. I am Tyler Donahue stepping away for now. We'll talk to you real soon on the Lions 24-7 podcast.